returning to the Lord, and what a powerful thing that is, right? Coming back to God. How like important is that for our world? <laughs> right? Returning to God or our country. Right? Or people just coming back to God. And our, our passage talks about uh, coming back to God, to repent and turn to God. Right? Repent and turn to God so that your sins will be what? Wiped out, wiped away, forgiven, cleansed, only in God. And that what happens? Times of refreshing may come from the Lord. How cool is that? Times of refreshing. Have you ever been like refreshed? Anybody ever been like really refreshed like when you bite into a peppermint patty? That cool sensation just comes all over you. You know, or maybe you've gone on vacation, you know, to get refreshed. Or maybe you've, you know, you took the plunge in the middle of winter into a lake or the ocean. No? I haven't done that. Not crazy enough. So me and my buddies were walking. Uh, we were, when I grew up in Buffalo, we'd go hang out at this park called Shoshone Park down the street. And uh, they had this pool. And, of course, in the wintertime, everything freezes in Buffalo like everything. And so we were on the pool walking around. And uh, I went through. And uh, it was a time of refreshing. And then about a half-mile walk back home <laughs> in the nice cold water. My brother Frank took me fishing with him one day. We were on the river uh, snagging salmon. And, of course, Frank, my brother Frank, he's one of my older brothers. Of course, most of them are my older brother. But um, uh, he just kept saying, one more turn, John, just one more turn. Yeah, let's go one more bend. You know how that is? Anybody know how that is? Like, just a little further, right? If you're a kid, you're like, come on, can we go home? I'm done fishing, and there's one more turn. Well, sure enough, you know, it's, it's fall, and it's cold, and I've got hip waders on, and sure enough, there I go into a hole, and my hip waders fill up with, like, ice-cold water. Oh, man, talk about refreshing. 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 Times of refreshing. And, and that's exactly what, what happens when that happens is you kind of come alive, you know what I mean? Everything in you, like, wakes up, like, What? Like if you're sleeping and your parents throw cold water on you, or if you're at a youth retreat, you know, and the youth minister comes in and says, wake up, Shh, splash, super soaker. Watch out, Jacob bought a super soaker. So if you're in the youth group, be aware of that. You just kind of come alive, you know. You just kind of wake up. All your senses just kind of like come alive. And, and that's exactly what I think God has in mind for our soul when we return to him. Like this sense of waking up, like, like for the first time, you know, that feeling of, of getting it and knowing who God is and how much he loves us and this, this ah, like refreshing moment. And so last week we, we said that the son, you know, the son, he came alive. He came to his senses. Remember that in Luke uh, 15? Uh, he comes to his senses and he, um, several things happen as he does that. He remembers who he is, right? He remembers that he's a child of his father. He's a child, Right? He remembers that, and he decides that he's going to go home, and he's going to admit that he has sinned, you know, that I've blown it, I messed up. And uh, then he gets up, and he goes home, and, and what does he find when he goes home? That's, what we're, that's where we're going to go to today and in the couple weeks ahead of us. So we've been talking about returning to the Lord, but what, what, do you re, what happens when you return? What do you find when you do return to God? 
and the son is going to show us what, he, what we find. Let me tell you real quick, though, what he doesn't find when he comes home. He doesn't find a snobby father looking down on his foolishness. He doesn't find that. He thought he might. He doesn't find the wrathful God waiting to pounce on him. He doesn't find that. He doesn't find a judgmental dad pointing out all his mistakes. He doesn't find that either. What does he find? What he finds is the father of love. He finds the father of love. That's what he finds. When he comes home, he finds his dad full of love and full of grace. And that's what we're going to talk about. That's what happens when, when we return back to God, when we come back to him. That's what we find, a loving father full of grace who sees far more than we'll ever imagine. He knows so much more than we'll ever know. So we're in Luke chapter 15. Okay, go there if you would in your Bibles. Luke 15. And in verses 11 to 16, the, we, we read about the son's choices, right? And where his choices lead him. That's what we talked about last week. Right? He asks for his inheritance. He decides to go out and party, and wild living. Just go for it, you know, forge his own way, the master of my own life. My, I got my destiny in my hands. And what he finds is uh, money doesn't last long. And uh, the, 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 the pods that the pigs are eating look pretty good all of a sudden. Right? He finds himself at the bottom. And then in verse 17, the turning point or the, the, the moment of def that defines what, what's going to happen next is that he comes to his senses. You see it there in verse 17? When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and I'll go back to my father and I'll say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. And that's what we talked about last week is his dilemma, his decisions, and then his moment of truth where he finally realized what he needed to do after wandering around in the earth aimlessly wastefully. Verse 20, he gets up and he goes to his father and it says, but, but. <laughs> Don't you love the buts in the Bible? I mean, the buts in the Bible are big. I mean, they're usually really big because it's something that God does that we can't do. It's right. It's that, it's that moment of truth when we've blown it and we're at the bottom and all seems hopeless and then there's the but, but God, right? We need to make a t-shirt that just says, but God, but God, right? Because, because we're at the wrong end of the but, but God turns everything for his glory. It takes a youth minister to get that, I guess. <laughs> but God, look what it says, but wow, he was a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, 
Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. This poor child, right? I mean, he's just been through the ringer. I mean, he just got a, a taste, a dose of, of reality. Because when we're teenagers and we're at home, we think we know it all, right? Well, we got it all together. I know what I'm doing. I don't need my parents. I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. I got this thing. Until you walk out the door and you get smacked in the face by the world. Because that's what's going to happen. And it's cruel. The world will tear you up and spit you out and not care one bit for you. That's what the world will do to you. That's what the world did to him. That's what happens to this kid. This poor kid, he's got no idea what's going to happen out there. He thinks he's got money, so I'm going to be fine. Well, no, you're not. Because the money runs out real fast, doesn't it? It just goes. Goes. Just gone. And he finds himself at the lowest point that he's ever been. He's never imagined that he would ever be like feeding pigs and wanting to eat what they eat. He never dreamed in his imagination when he thought he had it all under control and he can run out and do what he wanted. He never thought. If you would have said, you know, one day, son, you're going to be feeding pigs and wanting to eat what they eat, he would have said, no way, not me. I know what I'm doing. Right? Right. That's how we are when we're young, right? Got it all together. We know what's going on. He has no idea what to expect now that he's decided to go home. He's got no earthly idea what to expect. He's ready for the worst. Right? He is ready for the worst. In fact, his speech tells us he's ready for the worst. He's ready to say, Dad, I'm sorry. I've, I've blown it. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just let me be a hired hand. Just let me hang around the house and, 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 and do the work that the slaves do or the workers do. I'll, I'll just be happy with that, God or Dad. That's what this kid is saying. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I mean, if that doesn't rip out the heart of a parent, I don't know what will. You know, for your kid to be here, to be at this point in his in his mind, in his life, in his heart, that he thought he knew it all, and his eyes were huge, and he went out into the world to tackle it all, but he didn't need you, Dad. He didn't need you, Mom. I'm going to go do it on my own, only to get ripped up, torn up, and sent back home. Now wondering if they're even going to accept me. Got to tell you, if, if Dad will even let me back, right? If he'll even let me back on the property. I mean, that's a low point in life right there. His concept, this kid's concept of his father is a little messed up. It's been, it's been skewed by a sinful world. right? And, and dads, fathers who, who don't dad and father correctly. right? His vision and view of what God is like has is, is been, is been skewed by a world that he's now been, been destroyed by and beaten up by. And he's looking through like human eyeballs and through those lenses, people are harsh. And in his heart and in his mind, he deserves to be punished. Right? That's what he's thinking when he's going back home. But the father of love... Our God 
is not harsh at all. Our God, His view is so much bigger than our view. Right? He sees so much more than we'll ever see. And His grace is so much greater than our sin. The Father of love. See, that's good news for us misfits. Right? That's good news for us. Because, because we live in a world that's, that's clouded what we think about God, what we think about our Heavenly Father. And we've allowed the world to kind of to mold the way we think. Does this mean that, that anything goes? Of course not. Does that mean that God does not expect us to strive for holiness and godliness? Of course he does. Does that mean that God will not discipline us or allow us to face the consequences of our behavior? Yes, he will. He sure will. We will carry in, in our lives our scars and our messes, right? In some way, we walk around with those. They have, they have affected our lives. But God is not like us. He doesn't think like we do. In his perfection, he sees what we cannot see, what we don't see. And he knows what was, and he knows what is to come, and he can use our brokenness to develop in us godliness. Right? He doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want us to go out and mess up our lives so he can fix it. But when we do, he's able to. We're never the same, though. We are not as he intended us to be when we do that to ourselves. In him, we know all things work to the good, right? For those who love him, for those who are in him, striving to, to honor him with their lives. And we also know that our momentary afflictions are producing in us eternal glory. In Christ, God is working everything out. He's using all of our mess-ups and hang-ups and everything that's going on in us. He's using it for his glory, his eternal glory in us. So does this mean that we should break ourselves so that God can use us more and more and more? By no means, right? By no means. We don't go out and intentionally hurt ourselves. We should never think that, by, that, we, that it's okay to go out and ruin or pollute what God has made in me or what he has made me for. We should never, ever think that way. Because what I do to myself does affect. It does affect how God is able to use me. It will never affect that he loves me, right? God's love is love, right? He loves you. No matter what you are or what you do, he just loves you, right? He loves everyone, even those who are who today, this very day, are dying and enter, entering eternity without him, separated from him forever. He loves them. So, so what we do will never change his love for us, but what we do to ourselves will affect our usefulness in him. It'll cloud our minds. It'll affect the way we work, the way we think. It affects us, okay, in big ways. And so what we want to do is be used by God to the max, right, to keep ourselves pure, usable. Not, minim, not being used to the, the minimum, but to the maximum, right, by God. And we do that by keeping ourselves in him. And so the father of love is, is so big and so awesome. And that's what I want to dig into here. Verse 20. Look at verse 20 in your scriptures. Look what it says. There's the but again, right? But while he was what? A long way off. But while he was a long way off. How awesome is that, right? That God, that God represented by this father 
is always lying in wait for his children, especially those who have wandered off. Right? He's, he's waiting, hoping that they'll return. Right? Not forcing, not running after. You've got to commend this father. He doesn't try to talk the son out of it. The son comes to him, and he wants his inheritance, basically like a slap in the face. I want my inheritance, and I'm going to go party. And the father just gives it to him. He doesn't beg him to stay. He doesn't try to talk him out of it that we're aware of. He doesn't go chasing after him, enabling his kid. Right? And that's the problem with a lot of kids is that, that as parents, we enable our kids to keep doing stuff because we, we smother them. We don't let them make the mistakes. We want to protect them and we want to make sure that they don't do what we've done or what other people are doing. And so we, we enable them by giving to them and buying their love with stuff and we're ruining them. This father is wise enough to say, fine. You want to go? Go. Kind of like my mom did in Canada. I hit her with that spit wad. I think I told you about this. I hit her with the spit wad. She was bending over in the garden, picking tomatoes. Nailed her. It was a great shot. Nailed her. And she gets up and looks at me. She goes, give me that straw. And I'm like, okay. I kind of throw it at her, and I start walking down the street in Canada. You know, I'm walking to the who knows where. And she goes, go, go on. I go, go. What a great move. Most moms would have said, oh, honey, come here. I'm sorry. Right? And then taught our kids that you can get away with anything. Now, my mom, she's been through this. I'm the second youngest of eight kids. She knows. She's not stupid. Go, go on, go. And I left. I walked. I walked down the street. I was gone for hours. Indian graveyard. Until my brothers came and found me. She wasn't coming. She said, you guys go find him. She's like, bring him back to me. I'll beat him. <laughs> she wasn't like the father in this story, I'll tell you that. There was some punishment to be had. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's the dad. That's his dad. Like, go, go ahead, go. You think you know it all? You know, you just know that, that in that moment he's thinking, my poor child, he has no clue. He's got no clue what he's about to go do. And the hurting father who loves his son so much that he would let him choose. You want to stay? All this is yours. You want to go? Go. I mean, what an awesome father. That's such a cool father. So the father then is filled with compassion. Look at the passage. He's filled with compassion, right? There's some translation says his bowels yearned, right? When the word compassion has to do with our, like our inner being, our, our, the very core of our bowels. They yearned, right? Filled with compassion. When the son comes back, he comes to his senses. He comes back and the father sees him a long way off and he's filled with compassion. All of his emotions, just think about this kid's been gone. We don't know for sure how long, but he's been gone and the father's been like yearning for him, hoping one day he'll come back, hoping that he wouldn't get the call. You know, we would get a phone call, but what he would get was some messenger walking down that driveway with the bad news. Your son's dead. He's locked up. He's on drugs. He's about to die. 
You know, that's what a lot of people are going through right now, right? Those kids, our children that think they know it all. If you've ever been there, you can relate to this. If you've ever had a, a son or a daughter that has wandered off, you, you can feel the intensity here. Not knowing when that call might come. But your kid is dead. Your son is dead. We've gone through that. I've gone through that. Trisha's parents have gone through that. Just waiting for the phone call. Because we know they're out there messing up. Young people, don't ever do that to your parents. Don't do that to you. And don't do that to God. This father is filled with compassion. His son is now coming home and he sees him and he runs down the driveway and he's, his son is weary and his son is starving, right? And he's, he's nothing but skin and bones and he probably stinks. He's been with the pigs and he's probably got blisters on his hands and his feet are probably all sores. He's in rags and he's filled with guilt and he's filled with sorrow and he's filled with shame. Don't wait. Don't wait that long to return to God. We don't have to wait that long. We don't have to wait till spiritually we are in rags before we turn back and realize that we need our God. You know, everyone is in pain around you, not just you, but your parents are in pain and your family's in pain and they're all in pain with you because, because you've gone off and we know you're being torn up. And this kid's been away and he's been at war, war with his own soul, war with the war, world. He's been dragged away, he's been lured away, he's been enticed, and he bit the bait and he went. And now he's dragging himself home. And this reminds us that many people are still out there. There's so many. He makes his way home, but there are thousands who don't. They're still out there in the world, wandering. Some will never make it home. Some aren't going to make it home. They're too stubborn and they're too stuck. And this kid, though, now, he's no longer that selfish son. See, something has happened to him. He's come to his senses. He's no longer the selfish kid that ran off with the goods. The lost boy has come crawling back home to dad, to his father. And his father does like the 100-yard dash, right, to greet him, bad knees and all. See, recovery came running to him when he saw him coming back. And he goes running out there. And look what he does. The father ran to his son, and he hugged him, and he kissed him. That's a, that's a picture of a father who loves his kid, but loves him so much that he's willing to just say, fine, if that's what you want to do, go do it. I'm not chasing you. I'm not coming after you. But if you'll come home, I'll be right here waiting for you. I haven't gone anywhere. You have. And that's the same thing that's true with, with us returning to the Lord. He's gone nowhere. He is right where he always was. We're the ones running. right? We have a world full of people who are running away from God. Friends and family and neighbors who are running away from God. And if they only knew what they would find when they returned, 
They only knew that they would find a father, not like the fathers of this world, not like anyone in this world, but a father who's full of compassion and full of grace, who wants to come meet us and love us and hug us and kiss us. And it reminds us of the scripture that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us, right? In the midst of our sin, God loved us so much that he sent his son and he died for us. And this father has excitement and there's joy and there's affection. And there's the kiss. We see the kiss a lot in the Bible. There's different places that we see the kiss, right? Paul Paul said in Romans, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now we don't practice that. We kind of get close. We get the hug thing going, right? We don't do that part. Remember the Judas kiss? Judas kiss, it was a band. You remember Aaron? Judas, yeah, okay. Um, the Judas kiss was a kiss of betrayal, right? But this kiss, this kiss is different. This is the kiss of a father who is about to be reconciled with his son. This is a kiss of compassion and a kiss of love. This is a kiss of acceptance, a kiss that says, I love you. And, 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 and I'm so sorry that you chose to go out there and do what you thought you needed to do. And I'm so sorry for all the pain you've brought on yourself. I'm sorry. What you've done to yourself, I'm sorry. But I love you. This is a father who loves him. And scripture again is proved true. If we will come near to God, God will come near to us. Right? In verse 21, the son shares his very thought out and heartfelt speech. Right? Father... You know, he makes his way down the driveway. Father comes out and hugs him, kisses him, he loves him, hugs him, and he gives him the speech that he's been preparing for a long time because he's been wandering for so long. And he says, I'm no longer worthy. I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And that's the, the, the heart of the kid is a heart full of sorrow. But, verse 22, the father tells the servant, quick, in other words, waste no time. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this right now. Quick, bring the robe. Bring the ring and the sandals, right? This is not just some street kid who's wandered home. This is not just some loser who's finally figured it out. This, he's, his, his heart is, this is my son. Yeah, he may have wandered off and sold out and turned on me and turned from the family and traded in his sonship to become a slave to the evil one, but he's woken up. He's come to his senses, and this flicker of light has become a flame in his heart. Right? And the foundation that his life was built on, he came back to. And this son has come home, not just home, but he's come to his father. He returned to his father. No, circle that, because it's not just coming to the church that matters. It doesn't mean anything. It's not just coming to a group of people who care about you or being part of a club that people recognize you. This kid has come back to his father. That's the most important part of this, is that he's come back to his father, his dad. And he learned, he learned the hard way. You know, and we don't have to. God doesn't want us to. Even though many run off and learn the hard way, we don't have to do it that way. God did not intend us to do it that way. In verse 23, he says, kill the fatted calf, right? Let's feast. He's battered. The kid's beat up by the devil. He's rebelled, 
right? He's paid a heavy price. He carries the scars with him and will for the rest of his life of the things that he has done to himself. And he won't completely be healthy physically, but he has made his way back. He has come back to his senses. He's come back to his father. And the father treats him like royalty. Right? That's what he does. That's what happens when we return. God sees you as a child in our rebellion. And while we are disrespecting him, all he has for us is love. That's our God. That's who our father is. He loves us in the midst of our recklessness. And if we're fortunate to make our way back, if we come to our senses and wake up, he'll meet you. He'll come running to you because he loves you, because he cares for you so much. See, there's this unnatural view that the father has of the son because most of us wouldn't treat our son that way. We'd have compassion and we'd be sorry for him, but we'd also be pointing out all the things they did wrong. Right? We'd want to make sure that they knew that they did us wrong. Right? We'd want to point that out. Not this father. He's got, he's got like this very mature outlook of the big picture. It's called vision, right? Most people would see the kid right where he is for what he is and for what he's done, but this father sees a much bigger picture than that. He knows where the son has been, he knows where the son has gone, and he knows where the son is going. That's what makes the difference. See, he's got a big view of everything going on. He didn't condemn him. He didn't judge him. He didn't call down wrath on him. He's not hung up on legalism or laws. He's the God of grace. And he's perfect. And he wants us to strive to be perfect and holy, just like he is. That's what he wants for us more than anything. But he is bigger than that. He sees far more than that. And in verse 24 it says, For this son of mine was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. What a great ending to a story about this kid who was lost and comes to his senses and returns home. And what he finds there is this father who loves him. See, from the father's perspective, eternity is at stake. Not other things, not little things that don't matter. Not his clothes, not his shoes, not what he's lost, not the money, not the inheritance. All those things don't matter to this father because he's more mature than that. Eternity is at stake, not some lame little thing that just is a part of our lives that doesn't matter. We get hung up on little things that don't matter. We don't have the vision to see the big picture. We don't have the vision to see what God is up to, what he's doing. What he wants to do. See, this, this father isn't just worried about the rebelliousness of his son or his bad behavior. God's feelings aren't hurt by his foolishness. It's much more to him than that. Those things are just the symptoms of the problem. Those are just the outward uh, appearances of the, the real problem. The problem is eternal. And like every day, people that you know and I know are walking off of the cliff of eternity without God by their rebellious lifestyles, right? The devil is stealing from God and, and robbing from God and killing and destroying the lives that, God, that have been made in the image of God. There's no time to get hung up on the physical little things. 
There's so much more at stake. And that's what the father sees when he sees his son coming down the, the road and he's come to his senses and his heart is, is humble. And so when this lost child comes to his senses and makes his way back, there really is only one thing left to do. <laughs> and that's have a feast and celebrate. That's, that's what's left to do. That's all there is, right? This kid has learned, right? He's learned already. He's no longer alienated. He's no longer lost. He's no longer wandering. This kid has finally gotten it, and he's come to his senses, and he's learned the hard way, and we don't have to, and God doesn't want us to, but when we do, and when we return, he's there to love us because, because he's the father of love. He's the father of love, period. He just loves you. He loves us. He loves all of us. And when we return to him, when we make our way back to him, he's there just waiting for us to come back. To love you, not to accuse you, not to condemn you, not to pour out his wrath on you, right? But to just love you. Now is the time. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Whatever is going on in your heart, in your head, whatever, whatever you've allowed the enemy to lead you astray in, you know, your mind is somewhere over there and, and you've forgotten what's most important and eternity is what's most important, right? And you've gotten caught up in the physical little things. It's time for you to return. Time to come back. Time to come back and say, God, help me. Put my mind on the things that are most important. and Help me to stop complaining and whining about all the things that are so minimal. Help me to, to get my heart on you. There are people that are lost and going to hell. They need you. They need the Father. They need people in their lives that will help lead them back to the Father. They need Christians who represent Jesus, not Christians who represent a religion. That's what they need. The world is sick of religion. What the world needs is some faithful followers of Jesus that care more about him than they do about stuff. That's what the world needs. Would you agree? That's what we need to be. And when this, father, when this kid came walking down the road and his father saw him and his eyes lit up, you know, that's what God's waiting for in us and for you and your friends and people. He's waiting for us to make our way back just make our way back to return to the Lord. Father, we love you so much, and we pray, God, that you'll open our hearts and open our eyes, God, to you, to you, Jesus. Not to anything else. Heaven and earth will pass away. All of our stuff will be gone one day. And all that will matter is, do we love you? Do we follow you? Do we return to the Father God, please help draw us close to you. Open our eyes and our ears to see the big picture. If we're hung up on little things, God, help us to get over that. Help us to move beyond it. To see what's really important. That eternity is at stake for, for our friends and for our neighbors and for this world and for us. We need you, Jesus. We need you so much. We love you.